don't want to say anything. I don't want to interrupt the song, man. I'm jamming. Let's go. What you know about this? What do I know about this? <laughs> you know how old I am? Yeah, but I, I wasn't sure if you knew about this. And I listen to all music, man. Yeah, this is good stuff, dude. I'm not surprised. Figgy's spinning it, doing his thing. Love you, man. Glad you stuck around today. Didn't get lazy and take the vacay like uh, Landry and John. <laughs> John fishing again. He fished every chance he get. God bless. We you know what Landry was doing at 1 o'clock in the morning last night. At some Mexican restaurant, uh, drinking. He wasn't there at 1 a.m. Pounding out um, incoherent messages. He was there with the baby for dinner. Is that when it was? Yes. Did, didn't the teacher post make its way via a picture at 1 a.m. on a Facebook post this morning? I didn't see that, so I don't know. I can't okay. answer that question. Okay. That's why I would assume. No, but he, he had a video, at least it was on Instagram, of him... At dinner, and the baby was there. Okay, would it not behoove Landry uh, or shock you that Landry would say, uh, "Hun, can you take the?" Uh, he probably wouldn't even say, "Hun." He'd be like, "Can you take the kid home?" So I'm gonna stay here and drink a few margaritas. Would that be absolutely shocking to you. Yes, it would be. <laughs> it would be okay. Okay, uh, Landry breaking the uh, internet um, this morning and, uh, pissing off every teacher in the, uh, Houston and surrounding areas. We'll have that for you in internet going nuts coming up in the one o'clock hour in 40 minutes, less than that. Cody Stutes live from the NFL combine. We'll get to that. Uh, make sure you head down to twin peaks this afternoon, two to six, Ron and Clint going to be there with the drive, uh, twin peaks right off of Kirby 59. They're going to be giving away rodeo tickets. Uh, throughout the show, so you're not going to want to miss that. Do we happen to know uh, exactly like what tickets specifically they're going to be giving? I'm not away? sure. I'm not sure. So you got to you got to go to Twin Peaks and find out. Got to find out. Better be In good. Person. It's usually good. If those guys they they always have uh, they get all the good swag to give away. So uh, they do a good job on the locations. Always have a lot of fun. Go out and have a few drinks and eats with those guys. Twin Peaks, 59 Kirby, uh, two to six today and an opportunity to go take in a free rodeo show. Uh, NFL rule changes, Spo, in the works. I know we've got some to discuss a little bit later on in the college game as well, but here's a couple that kind of stuck out to me in the NFL. The tush push, supposed to be uh, not going anywhere. So you you good with that one? Uh, don't care. I think they need to come up with a better name of tush push. Are you down with the tush push? Do we, do we need a better name than that? Oh, it rhymes. Jesus. <laughs> Seems kind of lame to me. I feel like you what know about the brotherly shove. That's lame because that's that's where it, <laughs> that's lame. That's where it started, right? The brotherly yeah. shove. Um, nah, I think you could do better. Um, like I don't know, the ass blast. You know, easy. Nah, that's a pause. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> you don't like that one? Nah. <laughs> I don't know if you're gonna be able to say that on a national TV broadcast. <laughs> can't picture Jim Nance going that direction. No, I cannot. Yeah, I don't either. Shoot, I wonder if we can say it on the air. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out on Monday. It's already been seven seconds, bro. <laughs> find out at 2 p.m. <laughs> I'll fall on that sword. That's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, kickoff returns made safer last year. Uh, yeah, they were safer. Not without consequence, though. Kickoff returns set a modern-day low 
This according to uh, Pro Football Talks, Mike Florio, with only 22% of them returned. 12 of the 13 kickoffs in the Super Bowl landed out of the end zone. 23% of kickoffs during the regular season went through the end zone. Here's the interesting little uh, nugget here. Says they want the return rate in the 36 to 38% range, which would add 3,000 plays back into the game. All kinds of ideas are being floated out, even ones that would require return teams to have at least two uh, return men on kickoffs. Um, does this bother you at all with how the NFL's handled and tinkered with kickoffs seemingly like every other year? What ultimately would you like to see done? So has it actually played out to where there are fewer? I mean, I guess there are fewer injuries on kickoffs just because we don't have kickoff returns anymore. We have, I haven't seen we have a so hard. Few. I haven't seen a number, but apparently, yes, it's it's lended to it being safer. So, I mean, so that that in a sense is a good thing. I do miss that aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. Like I thought kickoffs, I thought kickoff returns were an exciting part of the game yeah. because you have you have a great athlete normally with the football in his hands and with an opportunity to make a play. So I do think that it has been a loss to not have that in the game. And frankly, if if we're going to go in this direction, then just don't have kickoffs anymore. Well, and you- I, now I would like now I would not want to see that, but if how many how many kickoffs are touchbacks now? What's what's the number? Uh 23% of kickoffs during the regular season are returnable? went through the went through the end zone. Okay. So, I mean 20 it, only 22% were returned. So, so that's one out of every 5. 78% were not returned. Yeah, so four out of every 5 kickoffs mm-hmm. are not being returned. It kind of feels like it's a waste of time. Boring. Yeah. Here's so the just thing. put the ball at the 25 and let's go. NFL special teams coaches have discussed the XFL-style kickoff as well as requiring teams to have two kickoff returners deep and giving teams possession of the ball on the 35 after a touchback that lands in the end zone or beyond the end zone, among other things. All special teams coaches will meet Saturday with the expectation that they present a proposal to the competition committee next week, and it is all a part of the thought that this one-year trial of allowing uh teams to fair catch a kickoff for a starting position at the 25 will not return this next season. Um, I don't admittedly watch XFL football, UFL, whatever the hell it's called now, uh, though I will this season. Um, But what I've heard, and you can weigh in 713 and tell me how wrong I am. Maybe you know this already, Spo, and you'll tell me you have no problem with that. And I welcome it. But what I heard the XFL was doing is typically like where a ball is like where the engagement really happens, where the return team and the coverage team or the kicking team rather actually engage, which is around the opponent's 35 yard line. That's where you would kind of have. So they're not getting a running start. Basically, They're not getting okay. a running start. They would line up just as if you were watching an offense mm-hmm. versus a defense, and you'd have the return men way back there, you know, around the five or the goal line or whatever, and you'd still kick off from the same spot. But so teams don't get a running start and aren't blasting through, uh, you know, helmets and chests, and you don't have, like, high-speed contact situations. You would start it very much like a normal football play. That's how I've heard the XFL does it. Would you be down for that? Yeah. That sounds really good eh, to me. I don't. I, I think that's weird. Um, it's foreign. You're not used to seeing very it. Very true. Um, that's why it's weird. I just that to me is the closest thing you could get to a normal football play, where the kicker they're out of the play anyway. 
the return men aren't in absolute, like, immediate danger of getting blasted. And players aren't getting a 5, 10, 15-yard running start. And so it would further decrease, by like all likelihood, uh, any injury situations. They can always happen, but I think you would see a further decrease on the play in itself. And it closely resembles your normal every-down football play. I don't know if it does. Here, Here's the thing, though. What about onside kicks? Well, then you can just go back to normal. So if you're going to do an onside kick, that is going to look completely different yeah. than, or maybe you don't have an onside kick altogether. You do a fourth and 15 or whatever? Yeah. So I'm, so I, I have, video, oh, shoot, sorry. So I have a, a video. So the guy, the kicker, actually it looks like they punt it. And so this guy is kicking off or punting, whatever it is, from the 30. Like a free kick or something? Yeah, so you have the kicking team is lined up at the opposing 35. And the return team is lined up at the 30. Are they kicking? Are they? I mean, you. I don't like that. You can't really set up anything. Like, it's basically the returner uh, gets possession of the football and just has to run. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like he's essentially running into a wall. Like, you can't try and set anything up. You can't try and set up any sort of a blocking scheme. So, in in all honesty, like, you don't have the same sort of momentum. You don't have the same sort of speed that's coming at you. But you're still running into a wall of human beings, of large human beings. So, no, I don't think that but that that's would make because it of the punt, essentially. If you still kicked off, then I think there would be a better chance. No, they, he kicked it off. He kicked it off from a tee. Oh, he did? Yeah. So, I'm from watching what yard now. line? It looked like the 30. Okay, wow. So... He kicked it off from the 30, and this returner retrieved it at the 15, and you're basically, you have to win your matchup. Like, basically, it's going to be who wins the matchup one-on-one, but with the with the other 10 guys on the field. Mm, so, uh, it's it's interesting. Like, it's, if they want to try it out, try it out. I would just bring back the old kickoff, because I thought that that was an exciting play. Yeah, yeah. Just seeing an athlete... Because, like, once this guy, it looks like once the returner gets past that first line, he's kind of gone at that point. Yeah, because everybody's up. Yes, everybody's up at the line um, of scrimmage. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, here's one from the 361. XFL had a fourth and 25 for onside kicks. Um, from the 713, why not just punt from the 30, normal punt play? Uh, 832, no kickoff means no extra slot for commercials. See, that's not true because they'll just take the commercial after the extra point. Mm-hmm. They don't like they used to take the commercial. They used to do extra point commercial kickoff commercial. They don't do that anymore. So you're only taking one commercial at that point. And they're going to get their commercials in regardless. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would just I'd like to see that be a real football play again. Um, I mean, 78% no return. Like that's actually a little uh, lower than I, I thought. Because look, you and I watch a lot of football. I mean, on any given Sunday, that number's probably a little bit higher in terms of feels like 90% of the time you don't get a return in an NFL game. Well, especially game. we watch we watch games indoors. Yeah. And so that's where like you might see kickoffs get returned because you're kicking into the wind. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about that indoors and it's only a 65-yard kick now. Like maybe move it back to the 30. I was going to say if you moved it back to the 30 or maybe maybe even the 25 well, that's and much. you moved, you had that similar XFL concept 
where instead of lining the oppositions up on the 35, maybe you lined them up on the 50. That way, at least there was an opportunity for the runner to, um, you know, I guess have to use more of the field and the, you know, kicking team could kind of set themselves up defensively, so to speak, to disallow a return if, in fact, that wall was breached, so to speak. It would just, there's there's got to be a way to make it an exciting play without going back to opening yourself up to multiple injuries. Yeah, on, maybe. On, on but, I mean, still, but, if, you do, if you do it the way that you just said, that's only 15 yards difference. Like these guys are right now set up at the at their own thirty five. You're just moving them up fifteen yards. Yeah. So I mean that's fifteen. And yards again, it's running. You could probably make the argument. Well, like everything else, that's giving the advantage to the team that's possessing the ball. You know, like everybody complains about an offensive advantage all the time. With what we were just talking about during the break. You know, I asked you a question. If you think that rule's going to go away. Uh, you know, from fumbling through the end zone where it's an automatic turnover and the defense takes over. And you're actually in favor of that, not going away, but the way it stands right now. If you fumble through the back of the end zone, it's the other team's ball. I don't like that. Um, you don't think that's going away. Some people do. That'll be interesting to I mean, kind of I, keep. I don't, I don't have a feel whether or not it's going to go away. I just don't think that it should. Like, Take care of the ball. Yeah. It's your fault. Yeah, and I, the if, point if you're going to reach, you better get there. The and point if you don't that reach, I made, that's the risk that you I, take. It's just, you know, we see it all the time. Player extend for the left pylon or the right pylon, and, hey, it's okay if you lose control of the ball and it goes out on the side, but, boy, God forbid it goes out of the back of the end zone. Like, that's a big difference. Like, you're still taking a chance. Yeah. What's the difference, you back be- of the end zone or side of the end you zone? Better, you better know if you're going to get there. That's, I better know. You better be sure. And if you're not, you wind up in a Zay Flower situation. Yeah, yeah. And there have been plenty of situations um, for many, many years. Uh, here's another one that uh, I was interested in that maybe maybe we even see instituted this season. I think it's a long shot. According to the report, certainly the NFL is testing high-tech tracking for more accurate down and distance. First down markers could soon be trashed, according to this report. Instead, replaced by high-tech optical tracking. The league... Uh, yesterday revealed that a system to measure first downs electronically has been tested and the owners will be presented with info about how the tests went as the uh, NFL considers that possibility of using this tracking device or system. I guess there would be a chip in the ball and there would be devices on the sidelines to more accurately uh, you know, measure whether or not a uh, first down was breached or proper yardage has been marked, those sorts of things. I would not be at all opposed to that. I mean, it's essentially robot umpiring. Like, get the call right, get the down and distance correct. I think we'd all be in favor of that. Yeah, and it, having the first down change be a secondary kind of a thing. But if you had the technology, you don't need that. The, the problem is, though, how do you know when a guy's down? Like, is there going to be a chip in the player to know when the player is down? Because most of the time you can see when the player is down, but what sometimes you're in those big piles on a fourth and inches, and you don't know when the player actually went down because you can't see. Well, it's just like if you had quote unquote robot umpires in baseball, you're not entrusting them to call the balls or strikes. The technology's doing that, but the technology would not be used unless it was via replay. You're using an umpire to man that particular base, home, first, second, third, whatever the case may be, for safe and out calls to make a judgment call there and then have it backed up if it's challenged 
or replay is needed, you would do the same thing in football. If there's a chip in the football in technology available on the sideline, that would measure whether or not the guy's got a first down via where the ball is. The referees are ultimately judging when and where a guy was down. Okay. Listen, I I have no issue with them trying to make that situation better because it does feel like in the year 2024, we should have a more high-tech way of figuring out where a spot is. That doesn't take an absorbent amount of time. Yeah, that is also the key. And for all, <laughs> for all the advancements that we have had, the way that they determine spots in 1930 is the same way that we determine spots in 2024. Sure. That's and, not great. Well, and nobody kills the NFL like they used to love to kill Major League Baseball for uh, you know being slow to adapt and change with the times. But and, it, it is, it's hard just because I, I don't know how much does it cost to put the chip in the ball. Where does the chip in the ball go? Is it the nose of the ball? Is it the middle of the ball? So I, I think there are things. And, hey, what if you put the, the the chip in the front of the ball, but the player has it in the opposite? You know, the player holds no, the ball separately. So you got to have two chips. Yeah, okay. That's that's not cheap. Got to have two chips. And, oh, I just know this. It's not out of the realm of possibility that you can come up with that technology in 2024. I mean, if you can have players wear devices that it measures how fast they run and every team uses that technology to their benefit in some way, shape, or form, um, you can put a damn chip in the ball and figure out where it's supposed to be spotted. And remember, it's not like you're using just one football every game. Oh, yeah. You got to have 36. You got to have, for an outdoor game, you got to have 36 footballs. Is it that many? Yeah. It's 36 for an outdoor uh, game. It's 24 for an, for a game indoors. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah. I was trying to think of, like, the reported deflate gate numbered footballs that uh, was initially reported. Uh, that was only, like, 11 or 12 footballs in that game. But maybe that was for their side. Yeah, I or, think it's their, yeah. Yeah, so 24, yeah. What did you say? 24 so balls? So, it's 24 for indoors. It's 36 for okay. outdoors. That's, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's a lot of footballs, a lot of money. They got it to spend. Coming up next, we'll have uh, afternoon confessions and a conversation on uh, some potential rule changes in college and expansion. Damn it, it's been five minutes since they decided the CFP playoff. Now they want to do something different. That's next. Watch this. These are my confessions. All right, in the loop back with you. In for Landry and Lopez. He's Adam Spillane, Sean Bajani. Figgy's still here. Um, Very brief confessions before we kind of move on. And a reminder, coming up in about 14 minutes or so, we'll visit with Cody Stutes. Join us live from the NFL Combine. Um, I've just got one confession. Watch this. These are my confessions. And it's really not a confession. I kind of confessed it last night, but I do want to get your opinions on it. Uh, last night, I don't know how we got on the subject. Whoever really knows between uh, Patrick Creighton and myself on uh, our show, Area 45. But I told him last night that I'd never watched uh, Sopranos or Game of Thrones. I've not seen one millisecond of either one of those programs. And then he, and of course, conveniently for him, uh, off air, told me that he had not seen uh, Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. Both losers. Well, and I said, I said, dude, you can't kill me for not having watched, you know, two shows on like a premium channel versus two shows that everybody can see if you have basic cable. It's on AM or they were on AMC. And so he put a poll out asking which of these is the more unforgivable TV sin: Never seeing Sopranos or Game of Thrones or never seeing Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. 
overwhelmingly not seeing Sopranos and Game of Thrones won 54% to 29%. And he also put the caveat in here, I live in a cave. 17% voted on that. So I guess that means you had not seen either one. But, I mean, what do you guys think? Is it, like, ridiculous that I have not seen Sopranos or Game of Thrones? Yes. <laughs> How is this possible? I think it's a little ridiculous you never seen um, Game of Thrones. I mean, or not Game of Thrones, but Sopranos. Sopranos came out, it's been 25 years since Sopranos But it was on HBO. Out. It was not on regular cable, regular television. It's it was on a premium channel. It's 10 bucks. It's expensive. It's 10 bucks a month. That was expensive back in the day. Are you kidding me? Like It's not back in the day anymore. Yeah, no, but I mean, you still have to pay extra and cable's ridiculous now. And see, to be honest, like that, that show came out when I was probably like in high school or something. So I grew up, didn't have cable, but I actually watched The Sopranos recently because everybody DVD. was talking about it. Yeah. Well, it. I think it's I think it's worth watching, man. It's, I don't, I can't say are, that for Game of Thrones, but. Are those, see, I wanted to. Obviously, I've seen every mob movie show out there except for Sopranos. I love that stuff. But See, that's why it's shocking because I, that you're into that type of stuff. I'm into it. I love like the crime docs, the whole thing, and that consumes me. But I, I told Patrick, I was like, literally, I've had three shows my entire life: Rescue Me, Better Call Saul, and Breaking Bad. That was it. That's all I've ever Rescue gotten into. <laughs> what is Rescue Me? <laughs> Remember, uh, it was the Fireman Show with Dennis Leary back in the day. Probably no. right around the same time with Sopranos. I never. I never indulged in Rescue Me. <laughs> so, Spo, are you a Game uh, Game of Thrones guy? Uh, I watched it. I don't love it as much as some people do because I just there were too many like storylines that I just had no interest in. Um, so to me, it's not like a rewatchable show. I will rewatch clips, but I will not rewatch full episodes. To me, Sopranos, I'll rewatch clips. I'll rewatch episodes. It's that good, and it still holds up. After all these years, and there's there was a great podcast that I've been listening to that I'm almost done with from uh, Steve Sharippa and Michael Imperioli. Uh, Steve Sharippa played Bobby Bacala and uh, Michael Imperioli played Chris Baltasanti and they go through every single episode and they've had tons of guests on uh, who were on the show, both um, as actors and as people who were behind the scenes on the show. And it's been it's been absolutely terrific. And so that's kind of increased. But I've probably I've I've probably rewatched the Sopranos two or three times, and I should probably go ahead and do it again. People have treated the Sopranos like, you know, Seinfeld, Friends, like those series sitcoms that just like never die; they're everlasting. And so yeah. I kind of feel like it's never going to be too late to go back and and yeah. watch that for it's, the first time. It's like just, the Godfather of TV. Yeah, I haven't much. done it, man. And Game of Thrones. I thought it was going to be like Troy and Gladiator, which apparently, per Patrick, it is not. It's in, it involves like dragons and stuff like that. So that immediately turns me yeah, off. I try, like, I try to. I watched the first five episodes, man. I just couldn't get into it. Man. Of yeah. Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it is a little. But a lot of these shows they start out slow. Like, I, I think Succession is right in that same Sopranos level, and the first really five episodes of Succession they're a little slow. But yeah. then it's like that sixth episode, it really finds its its footing, and it's just elite from that point yeah, on. I feel like it's it, it kicked up probably like the season finale for me. Did you did like, you watch Succession? I did. I watched all of it. So for me, the 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 first boardroom scene when they do the the vote of no confidence on Logan, that scene is so good 
And Logan is so good in that scene that from that point on, the show just took off and it, and it, and it hit that level and it continued to get better and better as, as the seasons went along. Yeah. And I'm disappointed that they stopped at four. Uh, Ocho texts and he goes, I haven't watched The Sopranos either and I've always had cable and it's my type of series. Another one says, uh, Sean, Erwin, thank you, man. Uh, I can mail you The Sopranos box set. I might take you up on that, Erwin. Thank you, man. Have you seen The Wire? I have not seen The Wire. That's a lead also. Yeah. Um, I have not seen Dexter. Also a little slow. I've not seen, I've seen Oz. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't seen a lot of those shows that... I haven't, I've never seen Walking Dead. And can we start about that? But. Can we start a GoFundMe for Sean? So, yeah, so you got some HBO. You got some binging to do, man. I do. Well, I I cannot. I've seen every documentary, like true crime doc, there is to see on Netflix, and I'm constantly Wait, searching so, for more. So you'll pay for Netflix, but you won't pay for the HBO. I'm not paying for Netflix. I'm uh, okay sharing some of these accounts. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. All right. Somebody else confess something, damn it. Um. <laughs> conference tournaments start Monday. Uh-huh. I'm so excited. I think conference tournaments are better than the NCAA tournament. Mm, man, I can't. I, That's a hot take, man. More, more, I can't get down with that. How do you think? More games. Why? More games. And it, it, they're higher level games. Like I, What U of H is about to go through in the Big 12 tournament the three teams that they play next week in Kansas City or two weeks in Kansas City, that will be those two, those three games will be tougher than the first two games that they play in the NCAA tournament. I, yeah, I mean, I, there's no question about that. Um, I, the reason why I, there's a little pushback, maybe because look, the Cougs for the first time that I can remember, and it's probably true in my lifetime, they've played more ranked opponents within the last month. Some Big Twelve for you, uh, yeah, and and so for that reason, that's why I'm like, wait, what? Because those teams in the Big Twelve, you've seen them already, you know, and I know they're going to be games with implications and things like that, and uh, you know, seating on the line, you know, in the tournament. But hell, I think in within the Big Twelve tournament, they've got a first round bye, right? Yeah, uh, I the mean, they, they they would play they would play three games right now, and this is just the latest bracketology. U of H would be matched up with South Dakota State in the 116 and then Mississippi State and Nebraska in the second round. I'm telling you, the three teams that U of H plays, assuming that they That's... win all, all you know, their first two games, the three teams that they would play in the Big 12 tournament would be better than the four teams that they would be, or the three other teams that they would be in that little bracket with mm-hmm. the first two rounds of the tournament. Mm-hmm. So I just think you get better basketball. You get teams that know each other. So there's that that extra level of competition that comes with that. Where yeah, you, good you point. have some you have some actual rivalries, and then there's just more games. Yeah, I like I having more games. I like the unknown factor as well. Figgy, you got one. All right, so today I'm going to the rodeo. I'm going to the concert. I'm going to see Fifty Cent. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I'm that'd be the one that I'd wanted to see. Yeah, yeah, I'm super. I never saw him in concert before. That's gonna be great. Yeah. So, um, before the concert though, I'm going to Trill Burger. Trill Burger got their stand out there, and uh, for the people that don't know, they partner up with Killings Barbecue. Yeah. yeah. So Glad you brought this up. Yeah. So I was super excited to try the fries. Uh-huh. So they have like a loaded fries with they got brisket on there, jalapenos, just a loaded, just loaded fries. So I saw the French fry like collab yeah but apparently they did a burger collab too so yes. is there like and a this, brisket burger and, yep this is my confession uh-huh. so i wasn't really interested in trying the burger i feel like the burger is a little too much 
I feel because it's a regular hamburger. They got the onion ring on it, and you can add brisket to the burger. I feel like that's a little too much, but I'm thinking about trying it anyway, man, because you ain't going to get it again. This is the only time they're doing this. So yeah. I might just try it just oh, you to try it, man. I mean, YOLO, man. You got to do it. I, I'll tell you this. It's too much. Uh, <laughs> I, I agree. I, I think the burger is too much. But if you take the burger off, then it's just a brisket sandwich. It's a chopped beef sandwich or a sliced no, beef sandwich. No, so it's not It's not the It's not the brisket sandwich. It's a regular hamburger that they have. They call it the Triller. Okay. So um, you can, I, I think it's going to have like a special barbecue sauce on there. Okay. It's going to have the onion ring on there. And you can add brisket if you want the brisket on there. I see. Yeah. I so mean, I, I was thinking about trying it all. Try it without the brisket because you'll get the brisket on top of the uh, fries. Yeah. But see, I, I can't get both of them at the same time, though, man. That's what? that's two meals because the fries itself is a meal. Well, you're going with your uh, wife, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going. But I think I'm going to go try it another time, though. No, that's fair. Did you go to the cook-off all three days last weekend? I did. Have, have you gained, like, 15 pounds? You I don't did. look like you have. I, I didn't. I didn't. I, I was watching what I was eating. <laughs> the first day, Thursday, I, I, I pigged out. So you go, okay, I was going to say, you go out there pretty disciplined, but w- what's the wackiest thing that you've eaten at the uh, cook-off? Uh, at the cook um Or the rodeo. The, the rodeo. So last year, I had a um, bacon-wrapped pork belly on a stick. Ooh. That was... It was good, but man, I felt awful after that, man. Yeah, that's just <laughs> just imagine eating bacon wrapped bacon. Can I tell you something? Uh, I had speaking of like brisket and stuff, we went to Kirby Ice House uh, about four weeks ago, five weeks ago, because it was after our first show. Me and Patrick did Kirby Ice House, and they had a food truck out there, and they had brisket mac and cheese, mm. best brisket in. I've ever had in my life and then with mac and cheese it was amazing like I've never had anything like that don't know the name of the food truck but whoever you guys are at Kirby Ice House fantastic job uh, I would just say YOLO get both when you go today and <laughs> you know c- carry it with you you're gonna go sit down and watch 50 Cent like bring it in there and enjoy it for an hour yeah I like, like I said I like my burger I, I'm kind of regular when it comes to hamburgers like give me bacon on there all day but I can't do an onion ring and see I'm extra. All of, yeah, the onion ring, that's what took me out. And then the brisket on top of the hamburger. That's that's a little too much. I'm a little extra when it comes to hamburgers. Do you guys like uh the Very avocado, big. the fried egg, you nah, know, bacon on your burger? I like bacon oh, on I like bacon. Oh, but, bacon so. avocado are fine, but that's it's a lot. You don't do the egg? No. No, man. What about the loaded fry? Would you do the loaded fries? So what 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 is the loaded? The fries loaded fries is pretty much fries with like a, a queso. You got brisket on there, cheese, jalapenos. I've, just not the jalapenos, but I, I would do that, and I would feel terrible for like three days after. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> All right, that's lunchtime confessions. Are you hungry? Uh, send send Sean your max password, by the way. Max password. Oh, I don't need them if the guys, uh, Irwin's going to be nice enough to send me the Sopranos box set. No, you got to get HBO Max, man, because you got to watch the Sopranos. You got to watch Wire, the Wire. Game of Thrones. I, Succession. Succession. I'm, li- I'm literally about to have to cut like TV out of my life. Like It's so expensive now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm fighting that battle. That's why so. they're going to give you the Max password. Yeah, we got to hook you the up, The texter's going to give you them, or we set up the GoFundMe. <laughs> I don't want charity. I don't want to go fund me. If you want to be nice and send me a box set or a password, I'll be, I'll be down with that. I, I don't want charity, but if you... <laughs> Not in the form of money. Go fund me. I mean, you're like, geez. <laughs> 
There's a lot of other people that need help out there. I don't need help. Not that kind of help. I mean, you haven't other seen help. The Sopranos, The Wire, Succession, or Game of Thrones. You kind of oh, need I'm help. not living. <laughs> kind of need some help. Terrible. Just not living. All right, we'll see how Cody Stutz is living next. He'll join us live from the combine. Stay there. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents In the Loop with John Lopez and Landry Locker. In for Landry Locker and John Lopez, he's Adam Spolane. I'm Sean Bijani. Joining us now on the Sports Radio 610 hotline is our good friend Cody Stutz, who's live from the combine in Indianapolis, catches work on HoustonFootball.com and on YouTube, regularly does a badass job. Cody, what's going on, man? I'm just sitting here in a cold and rainy Indianapolis and watching some of these guys get stretched out and get ready for the 40-yard dash. They do a lot of practicing inside the convention center because you can't go practice at Lucas Oil Field. That's where the combine is. I guess there's not another big area. So you see guys like running the 40. Uh, you see guys you know throwing to wide receivers and stuff up in the uh, the walkways of the convention center. It's it's pretty cool, and then it kind of shows you just like how serious this is for these prospects. It's the biggest job interview of their life when it comes to football up to this point. Yeah, um, wide receivers, running backs today. Uh, kind of before you give us the lay of the land, I, I've been following you on Twitter. You've been doing a hell of a job, man. Uh, appreciate all the work, but I saw all the players that you've been reporting on that the Texans have met with. I think we went over a few uh, earlier in the show, can you give us kind of an idea before you give us the lay of the land of what you're seeing, observing, and hearing about today in terms of like maybe who's caught your eye, who you've been maybe interested in uh, hearing about that the Texans have met with to this point? Well, I do want to say it was also quarterbacks today, and I just laughed at everybody that had to go to the quarterback podiums and talk to J.J. <laughs> McCarthy or Michael Penix or you know, even Caleb Williams and guys like that, because the Houston Texans don't need a quarterback. They did a year ago, and that would have been the big deal, but not this year, so that was good. Here's what I, I – I, the thought process with the cornerbacks yesterday was sort of my thought process with the wide receivers today. Cornerbacks, I wanted to talk to as many of the top guys as I could and see if they'd visited with the Texans. With the wide receivers, I left out the top three. Well, Marvin Harrison Jr. no-showed. Um, you know, he had some medical testing that ran long. He's not going to, he's not going to speak here at the combine. And then Roman Dunze uh, from Washington and Malik neighbors from LSU, they're not going to get close to the Houston Texans. So then it was, okay, who are the next four or five guys? And are the Texans going to talk to them? And sure enough, bingo, the Texans had meetings with those guys. Um, I believe they all, I believe they all said it was official meetings, um, uh, with the you know the teams get a, a fish, 45 official meetings and then they kind of have casual meetings or informal meetings if you will where it's just like a coach can talk to the players but uh, sure enough going through the list here of the top wide receivers after the top three uh, Xavier Worthy boom he talked to the Texans he had a big smile on his face when I asked him about talking with the Houston Texans Florida State's Keon Coleman he talked with the Texans he Keon Coleman was by far the best podium wide receiver. He was so energetic and enthusiastic. And anytime a team, um, anytime he was asked about a team, he had something good to say about somebody on that team, or he compared himself or something in his game to someone on that team. So he got asked about the Cowboys, and he was like, yeah, I like C.D. Lamb, and I kind of see a little bit of my game in, in, in the way that C.D. Lamb plays. And I was just like, it was very funny. He had a great personality. Um, the production in college is kind of questionable, but then you look at the physicality and the traits that he possesses 
really incredible. And then the two that I really wanted to find out, did the Texans talk to him? Oregon wide receiver Troy Franklin and LSU wide receiver Brian Thomas Jr. Check the box on both of those. So the Texans in a couple of different positions where they needed to talk to the top of the board, they have done that job and they've talked to the top of the board. So doing their homework, getting to learn these guys. And almost all of the people, when you ask them about the Texans and the meeting, they talked a little bit about like, yeah, we broke down some film or whatever, but they all mentioned, hey, they really tried to get to know me as a person and as quick as they could because they have a short amount of time with the player. They really try to get to know me as a person. And that goes back to, to me earlier in the week when D'Amico Ryan says, you know, hey, we're about the person, not the player. And they want guys that fit. Uh, Nick Casario said they want guys that fit the culture. And then he explained what the culture is and how guys fit into it. And so I, I do think it was interesting when you asked them about those meetings, they were very clear, like, oh, they were just kind of trying to get to know me, learn a little bit about my story or my past or my history. I thought that was something that stood out for these top wide receivers. Cody Stutes joining us on Sports Radio 610. Cody, do you, of the other guys that they have met with, do you sense any sort of pattern just, I guess, with the position, with the position groupings that they are really looking at right now? I, I really don't see necessarily a pattern, but from a wide receiver standpoint, they have talked to a lot of guys that are versatile. Um, and by versatile, like, I mean, play, can play inside and can play outside. So, like, Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU, um, he, he's like the king of the slot fade touchdown. Um, but he can also line up outside. Uh, so he kind of he replicates a little bit of what Nico Collins does. Lad McConkey is a Georgia wide receiver. He, he, to me, he's this year's Tank Dell. He's a little bit shorter. And people are going to think because he's a short white guy, he should be a slot corner. Well, he's not. He, he can play inside. He can play outside. He gets open. And, you know, people kind of shoehorn Tank Dell into that last year. Oh, well, he's a little slot guy. Well, then Tank goes out there, runs every route in the book, and gets open from wherever you put him on the field. And then even when they talk to some of these guys who haven't played a lot of slot, they're mentioning, hey, I'm learning how to play slot wide receiver. So I think that from a wide receiver standpoint – They've talked to guys with the ability to play inside and outside, and that's kind of a wide receiver that it feels like they want. Don't, nobody's stuck in a position. You can pl- line up outside, you can line up inside, and then Bobby Slowick and the rest of the offensive staff can sort of play chess with how they want to mismatch things and how they want to put guys in there. Oh, you want uh, you know, Tank Dell on the inside, Nico Collins on the outside, and say Brian Thomas Jr. on the outside on first down? And then on the second down, you know, okay, Brian Thomas Jr. is inside, Tank Dell's outside. Like, there's a lot of different ways you can play with the versatility of these wide receivers. I think that's what really stuck out to the guys that they've talked to uh, as well. Cody Stutz, our guest on the Sports Radio 610 Hotline, joining us live from Indianapolis at the Combine. Uh, look, I know you've been talking with uh, Landry and John all week, and um, you're kind of taking in all this information, and I'm sure you've developed your own opinion and thoughts right now, but kind of wanted to run this by you, man. Uh, I talked to Charlie Campbell of WalterFootball.com last night. Uh, in his latest mock draft, uh, he talked about defensive end uh, Leilatu Latu out of UCLA, likes him as a Texans uh, fit, uh, has him slotted at 23. Just curious from your opinion uh, on what you've uh, observed or learned about Latu. I think he's got a really 
you know, pretty terrific story given his injury history and the production that he's put together over the last couple of years at UCLA. Just thoughts on his fit and even just the position of that being of interest for the Texans in the first couple of rounds. I tell you what, if Latu's there at 23, lock up the AFC South for the next few years. He's a monster. I mean, he, he's, he's a really good player. Him opposite Will Anderson would be the best young pass-rushing duo in football and have the opportunity to be the best pass-rushing duo in football. I don't see how he gets there, though, when you start thinking about, okay, a lot of wide receivers are going to come off the board. A lot of offensive tackles are going to come off the board. Quarterbacks are going to come off the board. A player like him, and with Dallas Turner just absolutely blowing up yesterday with his physical gifts and showcasing what he did in the workouts. Like, okay, maybe Latu starts to, to slip a little bit. And if he ended up at 23, I mean, my goodness, run the card up there. Heck, if he gets to 20, uh, you know, maybe you maneuver some of the picks to go up there and go, go get a guy like that. Cause him plus Will Anderson is, is, is pain for the rest of the AFC South. The defensive end spot is a little weak, um, which I feel like also helps justify the Will Anderson move last year. If you looked ahead and felt like the class wasn't going to be super impressive, then, okay, maybe the Will Anderson move has a little bit more context one year later. Um, Anderson would be clearly the best defensive end in this year's class if he was in this year's class. So it's a little weak. You know, Darius Robinson, a guy from Missouri, is a guy that I've mentioned a few times, didn't test great. Uh, yesterday from sort of the expectations of what he was going to bring to the table. Um, he kind of came off as a more limited pass rusher from the edge. Uh, it, it's a, it, to me, is a much stronger defensive tackle crew than defensive end crew. There's a couple of these defensive tackles that intrigue me, and you know if they start to slip or they get pushed down the board by other guys, I'm a little bit more interested in them. That's why I feel like, hey, a Jonathan Grenard investment makes a lot of sense for the Texans just because it may be kind of hard to find the right guy in the draft opposite Will Anderson. You mentioned Grenard. Do you have a feel for what they're going to do with him when it comes to the franchise tag? I, I would I, I would tell you the way that Nick Casario talked about the franchise tag the other day, there's a close to zero percent chance that Jonathan Grenard is going to get the franchise tag. Mm-hmm. And the reason the reason why is you know Casario the way because I, I asked him about the franchise tag, like how, you know, how to use it as a tool in roster building. And he's like, well, the tough part about the tag is you tag the guy, and I'm paraphrasing here, and it immediately hits all your cap. You know, there's no, there's no maneuverability off of a tag. Plus, it also sets a baseline for negotiations. You know, the tag for Jonathan Bernard's over $20 million. If he was signing a, you know, a, a reasonable three-year, four-year deal, his guaranteed money is not going to be a whole bunch higher than that. And then you start talking about $20 million a year, and it, it, it helps Jonathan Grenard in negotiations a lot if you franchise tag him. It's almost better to let him hit the market and say, oh, okay, like maybe somebody views him at 16, 17. The Texans are willing to go to that when they thought he was maybe 14, 15 a year. But if he's at 21 a year because of the franchise tag, he and his agent start negotiating off of that and that as a starting point. So I don't really think – and because I mentioned, like they've got the money if they want to use the tag because they've got that extra – um, that extra f- financial benefit because of their cap space. But I, I think there's a, a, a near 0% chance that Grenard is the tagged guy. I, maybe, maybe Dalton Schultz. Um, and then the guy that I would tag uh, would be Kaimi Fairbairn, except when they re- did his contract and freed up some money, uh, he put in there or got the Texans put in there, no franchise tag. So 
Uh, no tag for Kaimi. He's going to hit free agency or get an extension from the Texans. Good stuff, Cody, man. There's so much I wanted to talk to you about, but we just don't have Can a lot I, of time. I got to ask him one more question. Go ahead. I wasn't going to let him go, but um, uh, go ahead. All right, Cody, Duke Tobin's on the line right now. He, he says T. Higgins for 23. What do you do? I hang up. Really? You wouldn't you wouldn't trade twenty three for T Higgins? No, because then I've got to pay T Higgins a whole bunch of money that That's I don't right. believe T Higgins is is worth. Um, now, if you told if you told me that um, if you told me that uh, the Colts have franchise tagged Michael Pittman and they call, I might have a conversation. But I, I I don't believe in T Higgins. T Higgins has not showcased to me that he's going to spend a lot of time as a true number one wide receiver in the NFL. He's a really good two. He's a really good two, but he, he's not a number one, and he's going to he's gonna get number one money from somebody when he finally hits the market, and more power to him. Um, but I, I would not trade for T. Higgins. I w- there's almost nobody I would trade for on the franchise tag this offseason. Uh, last one for me, Cody. I mean, I, you're we're in the heart of the combine, but just so far, um, is there anybody like that you're thinking of that you went in to this weekend with maybe low expectations for that you've talked to or you've heard from or you've observed that has really kind of made you rethink uh, anything on them or has stood out to you? I went into this week liking A.D. Mitchell from Texas more than Xavier Worthy from Texas, mm-hmm. and I, I flipped on that. I flipped on that. Um, I like I like Xavier Worthy now a little bit more than A.D. Mitchell after hearing both of them talk and after talking to some people here around the combine. I, look, A.D. Mitchell's going to test out of a gym. He's going to be an absolute monster, okay? Um, but I, I just – I, I like Xavier Worthy's uh, mood, mentality, vibe, the way he talked about football, you know, special teams being important to him, doing some dirty work. And I, I, I like that mentality a little bit more than the kind of the mood I got from, from A.D. Mitchell. And um, I, th- I think that's probably the biggest change for me uh, on a prospect or, or in the conversation with that is, you know, I liked Worthy less than Mitchell coming in, and I like Worthy more than Mitchell leaving the combine. Good stuff. Cody Stutes, Sports Radio 610 Hotline. You can catch him on Houston Football and on YouTube. Uh, keep kicking ass up there, man. We'll look forward to the updates. Get, get to Bloomington. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Get to Bloomington. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm good on the basketball. I'm good. All right. That's Cody Stutes, man. Appreciate you. Uh, you can check him out. He's got the latest and has been joining us all week long here on Sports Radio 610 from the Combine in Indianapolis. Coming up next, uh, we can react to some of the stuff that he had to say. Uh, about the Texans' visits with the wide receivers. When we take a trip around the NFL, we got a lot of other nuggets to get your way from the league. That's next. It's In the Loop, Sports Radio 610.